Well, today is the day that the Lord has made, so let us rejoice and be glad in it. Amen? Amen. Amen. Hey, my name is Ryan. Ryan Kimmel, I'm the lead pastor here at Peace Church. If we haven't had a chance to meet yet, I would really love to make that happen. But before we get going, I want to say hello to those who are joining us in our downstairs venues, as well, uh, as well as those who are joining us online and remotely. And to everyone in here, I say good morning to you. I'll kind of buy it. <laughs> Somewhat of a good morning. So we are actually today, if you're with us today, we're, we're closing up a sermon series, a short little three-part message from the book of Titus called Life Lessons, as we watched how the Apostle Paul mentors this young pastor named Titus, who he leaves on the island of Crete to continue to do ministry and continue to plant churches. This is important because Crete at this time in world history is known as a very, very rough place. And so it's very interesting the type of life lessons that Paul sends to Titus. Paul gives him instructions on how to continue to be a pastor, how to continue to plant churches. But through this is this underlying message of like these just these life lessons. The first week we looked at the, the, the life lesson of having the right people in our life, specifically the right spiritual leaders, what the Bible calls elders, and the role of the elder in the life of Christians and in the life of the church. And then the next week, the last week, we looked at how Paul talks about having the right perspective in our life, that who we are called to be in Christ and how that is different and distinct from the world. And today, as we close this message up, this message series up, we're going to talk about having the right plan, having the right plan for your life. See, a good plan is clear on what you are supposed to do and what you're not supposed to do. See, a good plan, you know when it's going according to plan and you know when it's not going according to plan. But this is, I think this is difficult for us in a world of so much busyness and distraction, right? Isn't the summer supposed to be this time where we slow down and we relax and we get refreshed? And here we are, like we're staring the fall launch here at Peace Church in our face. And I'm like, where did the summer go? I mean, they already got Christmas stuff up in the stores for Pete's sake. So remember that when you complain about the heat today, okay? But, we, but I think this, I want to show you uh, this little comic that I found that I think really just hits at the heart of some of the struggles that we have. So check this out. So for those who are listening later on the podcast or listening remotely, what we have is we have a uh, a wealthy businessman, he takes his private helicopter to the top of a mountain to meet with a guru, to meet with a holy man. And he walks up to the holy man, to the guru, and he says, what, what's the meaning of life? But make it quick, I've gotten an important meeting in an hour. I think the punchline here is this, is like, even if you really knew the meaning of life, would it change anything for you? I mean, if, if I told you right now the meaning of life, would it change the plans that you have for today after church? Because I think here's the gut punch for, for, for Christians, especially us here in America. Like, we come to church in our really nice vehicles, dressed really nice, and we come and we expect a quick answer to big questions because we got things we need to do today. 
So pastor, play, play the right songs for us. Give us the right message because I got to get home and get brunch ready for the rest of the day. And if that is really us, are we any different than this guy? What is the plan that you have for your life? And would the meaning of life, would, would the big answers, would it change anything for you? I think in our passage today, Paul is going to tell us this plan that we should have. And it's this mix of what we should be doing and what we shouldn't be doing and the reason for both. So if you have your Bibles, please turn to Titus chapter 3. For the sake of time today, we're just going to read the first 11 verses. As we read this, we are reminded that, yes, these are the words that Paul wrote to Titus. But we're also very mindful that these are the words that the Holy Spirit has for us. So would you hear the word of the Lord? Titus chapter 3, we'll read verses 1 to 11. It'll be up on the screen if you don't have a Bible in front of you. Paul writes to Titus, and the Holy Spirit says to us, Remind them to be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work, to speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, to show perfect courtesy towards all people. For we ourselves were once foolish, disobedient, led astray, slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others and hating one another. But when the goodness and loving kindness of our God, our Savior, appeared, he saved us, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us, everyone say it together, richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior, so that being justified by his grace, we may become heirs according to the hope of life, eternal, eternal life. The saying is trustworthy, and I want you to insist on these things so that those who have believed in God may be careful to devote themselves to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for people. But avoid foolish controversies, genealogies and dissensions and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. As for a person who stirs up division after warning him once, and then twice have nothing more to do with him. Knowing that such a person is warped and sinful, he is self-condemned. This is God's word, everyone. Let's pray, and then we'll get started. Please pray with me. Father God in heaven, we thank you, Lord, this morning that as we engage your word, I pray that by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit poured out on us richly, Father, that you would engage our hearts, conforming our lives to the good plan and purpose that you have for us. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray these things. And all God's people said, amen, amen. So if you're a note taker, here's where we're going today. It's the end of the series. We're getting to the end of the summer. So just two, two main points for us today. Having the right plan means that we act on what is fruitful uh, and faithful and then we avoid, we avoid what is fruitless and foolish. Act on what is fruitful and faithful. Okay, that's where we're going to start this morning. So if you were here last week, you remember that I talked about how little kids 
they ask us a bunch of questions, or actually they ask us one question a bunch of times. If you hear, what was it? It was the question, why? They ask us why. But do you know what happens when they become teenagers? Do you know what the question then becomes? Do I have to? You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Sweetie, can you go unload the dishwasher for us? Do I have to? Any parents in here get just slightly annoyed by that? Two hands, two hands. hands. Or, or, Or when they act like they don't hear you. Or they come up with a reason about why in that moment they weren't doing anything, but when you ask them to do something, now they're too busy. Can you go unload the dishwasher? Ugh, do I have to? No, no, I suppose you don't have to. But then again, I don't have to put a roof over your house and food on the table. Yes, you have to. Get in there and clean the kitchen. (laughs) You know what I'm talking about. Here's a challenge for us. How many adults respond to God's commands like an annoyed teenager? What God calls us to do, and we sit there and we go, do I have to? Do I have to? I mean, the Holy Spirit is telling us pretty clearly, be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, ready for every good work, speak evil of no one, to avoid quarreling, to be gentle, and to show perfect courtesy towards people. Oh, I'm sorry, all people. Ugh. Do I have to? God, our Father, is like, yeah, you do have to. You do have to. Let's, let's talk about these for a second. Be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient. Now listen, the Bible's pretty clear. Unless this brings us to a place outside of God's law or to a place of sin, we are to honor those in authority over us. And remember, by the way, Paul wrote this in a time where they didn't get a say on who elected officials were. We are to be submissive to rulers and authorities. And again, submissive here means that we strive to make their jobs easier. I guarantee the world would be more productive if we spent less time complaining about our leaders and more time praying for them. We are to be submissive to rulers and authorities. And again, listen to me. This is not meant to be burdensome. This is meant to be beautiful. And I know I just kind of compared God's laws to unloading the dishwasher. That wasn't exactly fair, but I think you got the point. The reality here is that this is what God calls us to because it is what is good for us and it is what is good for the world and it is part of his good plan. Be submissive to rulers and authorities, to be obedient, to be ready for every good work. This is a common theme throughout the book of Titus. At least four times we see this phrase, good works. Three of them here are in chapter three. It's kind of the big emphasis for Paul as he closes out this message to Titus. Tell them to do good works. Tell them to do good works. We know it's a rough place, but they need to focus on what is good. We're going to come back to that. To speak evil of no one. Uh Uh-oh. Uh-oh. How have you been speaking about the president lately? Because I'm telling you now, I need to repent for how I have been. Well, hopefully without any crossing lines here, like I'm, I'm no fan of his. But I guarantee my soul is more enriched and our time is more productive. We spent more time praying for our leaders than we do criticizing them. And that's not to say that we can't have an opinion on decisions they make or the way that they lead through world affairs. We can definitely have an opinion on that. 
But God says here, speak evil of no one. Or actually, as it says literally, literally in the original language, don't blaspheme anyone. We don't cast evil words upon people. No one. To avoid quarreling. To avoid it. I'll tell you right now, this is why I just don't get into online debates anymore. I just don't debate on Facebook anymore. I just avoid quarreling. Unless I'm in a really weak moment or someone says something really stupid. (laughs) And then the fruit is just hanging way too low and I take it and I taste it. And you know what? I still regret it and I still repent it. Avoid quarreling and be gentle. This is not, listen to me men, this is not a call to weakness. To be gentle means that we handle with care all that we interact and all that we do. If we are rough with those who we're trying to reach, do you think they're going to want to listen to anything we have to say? To be gentle means that we are composed and we are the ones who are in control. We don't let the environment dictate how we respond. We don't let how they act dictate how we act. We are the ones who are poised and in control and we're gentle. That just means that we handle all things with care and to show perfect courtesy towards all people. Let me summarize it like this for you. Whenever you interact with someone, they walk away thankful that they had a chance to talk to someone who is bearing the name of Christ. This means you are a Christian before you are a customer. This means you are a Christian before you are a consumer. This means you are a Christian before you are a conservative. That we are perfectly courteous towards all people. God is not going to ask you how many arguments did you win while you were on the face of the planet. He's going to ask you, were you perfectly courteous towards all people? And what are we going to say? Did I really have to be? Yes, we really, really have to be. God does not call us to live like this, to live like this because it's burdensome. But because it's beautiful, this is the right way to live. This is the good plan that God has for his people. Imagine if everyone acted like this. So let it start with us. And this beautiful thing that we are living into is a response to the gospel. It's a response to the gospel. Let's talk about that. So this past week, this past, uh, this past week, it was my birthday. Thank you for those who reached out and said happy birthday. I had a great birthday. Uh, 42 starting off right. It's going to be a good year. Had a great birthday. The Lord even gave me a rainbow on my birthday. How many of you guys get rainbows on your birthday, huh? I got a rainbow on my birthday, and so I was with, with my, my kids, and so I grabbed my, my one son, Will. I said, hey, let's take a picture together, try and get the rainbow in the background. There's me pointing to it. Probably can't see it very well here. <laughs> yeah, that's him. I was like, I like this picture. Like, this, this is... In my old age, I want to look back and say, this is 42. And so I, I snapped this picture. I liked this picture. So what did I do? What did I do? Of course, I got, to, I got to post it, right? I have to post it. But what do you do before you post a picture? You make sure you use the right filter, 
right? So you, you use the app that they give you and you find the right filter. Now, what, what do filters do, right? They, they add or decrease contrast. They accentuate different colors or different aspects of the picture. And they're like, if you're on social media, you know there's a limitless number of filters to use. So, of course, I take a minute and I flip through all the different filters to f- try and find the best way to present this picture. So we have the original picture, and then the next one uh, is a filter called X-Pro, and then black and white called Moon, and then there's another filter called Rise, and as you see, there's a bunch of other ones in between. And I gotta find the right picture, and then I put it online, waiting for people to like it. And as we look at our lives, in a sense, God has already given us the filter that we are to employ for our lives so that when people look at us, they see us through the filter that God has given us. And that filter is called the gospel. And when the gospel saturates our lives, it shows different things to people. It accentuates different people. It brings contrast. For those who have accepted Jesus, we are meant to live into this filter It's meant to be applied to our lives. Paul wants us to notice this even in our own lives first. He says, for we were once, there it is, there's the contrast. For we were once foolish, disobedient, led astray. We were slaves to various passions and pleasures, passing our days in malice and envy, hated by others, hating one another. Sound anything like social media? But when the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, stop right there, there's the contrast. We were once like this until something happened. And what, did that some, what is that something? It's the good, goodness and loving kindness of God appearing in our lives. And do you, see, do you see what Paul is asking? Paul is asking us, do you remember the original photo? See, for those who are in Christ, we walk with this gospel filter now, but as we do, and sometimes we fall short, Paul says, wait a minute, do you remember the original photo? Do you remember what it was like before you had this filter? Remember that. It wasn't a pretty picture. Don't fall back into that. We now have a different filter. When the world looks at us, they need to see the gospel filter that our lives have gone through a change. There's a contrast now. There's different colors that are being brought up. Does this mean we're perfect? Absolutely not. But it does mean that we are regenerated and renewed by the pouring out of the Holy Spirit on our lives. When the goodness and loving kindness of God our Savior appeared, he, he saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing and regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit whom he poured out on us richly. This is the gospel. This is the gospel. He did not, we did not save ourselves. He saved us. He saved us. Not because of works done by us in righteousness. Not because we're good people. We can't save ourselves. We didn't earn this. Our salvation is not according to our own merit, but according to God's mercy. By the washing of regeneration. I know that's an odd term. Let's talk about it for a second. Do you know what regeneration means? In the original language, the word regeneration is the combination of the word to be born and the word again. Regeneration simply means to be born again. That we were washed into a new life 
We were washed into a new birth that we get to start over. When we have renewal, we are made new, renewed. God's spirit, the Holy Spirit, the third member of the Trinity, God himself has been poured out onto us richly. Not passively, not barely, not cheaply. Richly. Richly, meaning more than you need. Meaning all that you need with some left over. Meaning you cannot run out of the Holy Spirit. We live into him at all times. This is how we live. We are people made new by the power and presence and person of the Holy Spirit poured out on us. We, Christians, walk in the Holy Spirit. This is why we can be gentle with those who are abrasive. This is why we can be courteous when those people get road rage over us. Because we walk in the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit through Jesus Christ, our Savior. We are saved by Christ. How? Well, again, this is the gospel. We prayed for it today. Hopefully you're praying for it too. How many of you are really disheartened by what's going on in the world right now? What's going on in Afghanistan? New Orleans is about to get hit with another major hurricane. All the other terrible things that are going on in this world, when we look at what is happening in this world, we just see brokenness. If you only see it out there and you don't see it in here, something's missing. There's brokenness in the mirror every single time that we look at it. But all this brokenness that's out there and in here, all of that, that's crimes against God's holy standard. That's a falling short of the way that God wanted things to be. And sin will be held to account. Judgment is coming upon sin in this world. God will make all things right. He will make all things new. The crimes that people get away with in this world, they will not in the next world. God will hold all crimes, all sin to an account. And the concept of grace is that we don't have to pay for the sins that we ourselves committed. That Jesus Christ paid for those sins when he died on the cross. He assumed the punishment for our sins. It's called the great exchange. He takes our sin, we put our trust in him, and we get his righteousness. Jesus' death on the cross, and there's some people who don't believe this, so please, if there's anything you walk away with, let it be this. Jesus' death on the cross is more powerful than your worst sin. Somebody needed to hear that, so I'm going to say it again. Jesus' death on the cross is more powerful than all of your worst sins put together. He can handle it. And he did. If you think Jesus Christ can't save you, then you don't know who we are talking about. Not only does his blood cover your sin, it covers all the sins of anyone who ever will come to him. And we put our trust in this man, and he is not a dead man. He's not a prophet whose grave we can go visit. He's not a memory that we've casted into an idol and put up on our shelves. He is alive, ruling and reigning from heaven right now. That is who we put our trust in. Sorry, not sorry. My faith goes in him and in nothing in this world. And I pray that's the filter that you see when you look at my life. Not saying I'm perfect. Not saying I don't fall back into the old ways time and again. But I am new being made new. I'm being washed by the power of the Holy Spirit and washed in the blood 
of my Savior. And our faith and our trust in Jesus poured out on us richly, richly through Jesus Christ our Savior so that being justified by his grace, we might become heirs according to the hope of eternal life. So being justified, we know this term. Justified just means just as if I never sinned. Justified means declared innocent. When you put your trust in Jesus, the gavel comes down and God looks at you and he says, innocent. We are justified by his grace, not our merit, his grace. What he's done for us, his mercy, his work, not ours. Justified by his grace and not only this, but we, we now inherit eternal life. Being declared innocent is enough, but all the more richly does God pour out his love and spirit on us that we now get the hope of eternal life so that when we leave this world, something better is yet to come. And to that, I say amen. This is the gospel. With our faith in him, we are justified, declared innocent of our sins. And this is grace that we are saved not by what we have done, but, what, but by what he has done. So let's just pause here for a moment. I know that was a little bit of a gospel rant here, so let's just kind of recalibrate for a second. In case you didn't catch it, this is the meaning of life. This is the news that should change your plans. This is the news that should change your life. Except our holy man isn't sitting at the top of some mountain waiting for you to come find him. Our holy man left the glory of heaven to come find you. That he would leave his seat on the throne of heaven to come and find you, to seek you out and to save you. And if you are listening to me right now, if you can hear my voice, I think it's because Jesus is here. He's calling out your name. He's calling you to repent. He's not going to make you, but he's going to invite you. Bringing you in, offering you this. This is the message and the meaning of life. The news that should change our plans. That he now is the priority. That he now is the focus. And so what do our plans change to once we accept Christ our Savior? Verse 8 tells us, So that those who believed in God may be careful, intentional, wise, focused. We may be careful to devote ourselves, themselves, to good works. These things are excellent and profitable for all people. Careful to devote themselves to good works. Do you guys remember that scene from Avengers Infinity War? When Thanos is talking to his daughter and he says, little one, it's a simple calculus. The universe is finite. Its resources are finite. That phrase, a simple calculus, when I saw it, when I first heard it in the theater, it still, still sticks to me. It's a simple calculus. Christians, it's a simple calculus because God has been so good to us in saving us when we didn't deserve it. So now we are to be so good to others even when they don't deserve it. This is the plan. This is the plan that we act on what is fruitful and what is faithful. So when we do good things in this world, the Bible says it's excellent and profitable for people. It becomes the filter people see covering our lives. But the Bible also tells us to avoid what is fruitless and foolish. 
When we do these things, we're not following his plan. Verse 9 to 11 gives us a list of what we are not to waste our time on. Let's read it. It says, but avoid foolish controversies, genealogies, dissensions, and quarrels about the law, for they are unprofitable and worthless. Foolish controversies. Foolish, foolish controversies. Some controversies are worth discerning, but the controversies that don't really matter, that don't change anything, we don't bother with them. Genealogies. Let me just clarify here. That means you, you can totally be interested in your heritage, but in the old world, when this was written, People would draw great meaning from their family line. Great meaning about who they are. And Paul is like, it doesn't matter what bloodline you came from. It doesn't make you better or worse than anyone else. You are who you are, made in the image of God. We are all one under him. We don't get into dissensions or quarrels about the law. Okay, so when this letter was written, people were at that point adding a lot of rules on top of what the Bible had already commanded. They're adding these extra rules and these actually things that we should do. They're adding to what God had laid out in the Old Testament. And these teachers were causing major division and confusion about what God was calling his people to. And Paul is like, don't even bother with them. Stop arguing about this. Go back to the word of God. Why? Because these things are unprofitable and worthless. It is fruitless and foolish to spend your time on this. You are meant to do and act on what is faithful and fruitful. Don't be wasting your time. It's too precious and it's too short to be wasting our time on what is fruitless and foolish. Paul reminds us that the gospel is now our identity. The Holy Spirit is now our guide. We do not add to the word of God. We need to follow the word of God. But there's another thing to avoid, and this one's, this one's a hard one. As for a person who stirs up division, after warning him once and then twice, have nothing more to do with him. Now, Paul is probably in this context specifically referring to false teachers who are stirring up dissension and confusion among God's people. But the process applied to them is what we call church discipline. And listen to me, church discipline sounds really negative and really harsh, but church discipline is about trying to redeem wayward Christians who have fallen into sin. Jesus Christ himself is the one that first lays out this for us in Matthew 18. And when you cross-reference what the, the Lord himself lays out and what we see Paul here reiterate, we pick up on some critical themes. Number one, the purpose of confronting Christians who are in sin, is for restoration and for redemption. It is not for retribution. Secondly, we are to give multiple chances for a person to repent and to be restored. We are to pursue them on multiple chances, give them plenty of opportunity to repent, plenty of opportunities to hear our reasons why we're pursuing them, plenty of chances for them to turn and put their trust in Jesus. But Jesus says it and Paul reiterates it. This is not limitless chances. At some point, we have to realize this is a fool's errand. And it's foolish and fruitless to continue this pursuit. Paul is clear that when a person is given a chance to repent and be restored, but they don't do that, even after a number of chances, we can't spend time on what is fruitless. I know this is so hard to hear, but you have to remember, God has a plan for us, and it is a good plan to do good works, to bear good fruit in this world. He goes on to even say, have, uh, knowing that such a person 
is warped and sinful. He is self-condemned. He is self-condemned. It doesn't mean that we stop being kind to them. It means that they have shown themselves to be self-condemned, that we've done what we could. We are now free from their guilt. Their actions show that their heart does not want what we are trying to do in their lives. So yes, sometimes people need to go from our lives. And even sometimes from our church. Because God does not want confusion or dissension. He wants a people focused on him, doing good works, undistracted. Now, we pursue these people multiple times through blood and tears and sweats and pain and emotion and prayer. And we chase after them, we chase after them. But at some point, God says you have to just release them to my grace and get back to what you are called to do. I know this sounds harsh, but we have limited time and we have a specific mission And God wants us to be focusing on what is faithful and fruitful, not what is obviously a fruitless endeavor. God has given us a plan for our lives and for our church. And distraction is not part of the plan, but a focus on what is good. It's foolish and it's fruitless to focus on individuals who refuse to repent and be restored. So listen closely. I want to say this again. We pursue them. We try to restore them over pain and tears multiple times. But we have to remember we are called to good works that bear fruit. Four times in the book of Titus, we are called to good works. Three here in chapter three. It's obviously a major focus that Paul wants to leave Titus with. It's a major focus he wants the church on Crete to be focusing on, that good works are those things that are good for all people. That is God's plan. This is God's plan. Write this down. It's God's people doing good things in response to his goodness to us. That is God's plan for us. That's God's plan for us who have accepted Christ, that we are God's people doing good things in response to his goodness to us. And so you're going to hear that and really respond by saying, do I have to? No. We say, thank you, Lord, for being so good to us. It's our joy to show that goodness to others. John Wesley said, do all the good that you can by all the means that you can and all the ways that you can and all the places that you can and all the times that you can to all the people that you can as long as you ever can. Because the Savior, our King, is calling you to this. And again, he doesn't call you from the top of a mountain. He calls you that from a personal relationship as we put our trust in in him. So if you have not yet put your faith and trust in the one who loves you more than anyone else, let today be the day of salvation. Repent, turn from your sin, trust in the Lord. Put your faith in him. If you have not done that today, if you have not done that yet in your life, today is the day. I want to pray with you. I want to pray for you. Let's get you on the path for God's plan for you because it is a good Good plan. Don't be the one who keeps turning away from the God who is calling you to himself. Repent and return to his goodness. Return to his plan for your life. Amen. Would you please stand? Would you bow your heads? I'm just going to ask everyone to bow your heads. Whether you are here in another venue or online, with every head bowed, 
This relationship we have with Jesus, it first starts at a personal nature. If you, if you have not yet accepted Christ, and it's time, you hear the voice of God calling you, and it's time to repent and put your trust in Jesus, would you just raise your hand for me? It's okay if you're in a different venue. It's okay if you're online. It's okay if you're in a car and I'm listening to this on a podcast. Just keep your hand on the wheel. If you have not yet put your trust in Jesus and today is the day, put your hand up. If you look at your life and you say, I am not following God's plan. I have been like that annoying teenager. Lord, forgive me. Call me back to you. If that's you, would you put your hand in the air? Would you please pray with me? For those who are putting their hands up for the first time, putting their trust in Jesus, say this prayer with me. And this is a good prayer for all of us to pray again. Lord, we come before you. If you're making this for the first time, keep your hand up. Lord, I come before you as a broken person, knowing I am not able to save myself and thankful, Lord, that you are the one who can save me. So I turn from my sin and I put my trust in your son who died on the cross for me, who triumphed over Satan, sin, and death, rose from the grave, proving to the world that he is who he said he is. And Lord, I see that and believe it for myself. So Jesus, I welcome you in. Take control. Put me back on God's plan. I give my life to you, knowing that you gave your life for me. You are so good, Lord. You are so good to us, even when we didn't deserve it. Give us, pour out on us the Holy Spirit that we may be good to those around us. We pray these things in the most precious and the most perfect and the most powerful name that there is. It's in Jesus' name we pray these things. And everyone said, amen, amen. We're going to worship him together right now. If you said that prayer for the first time after the service, I want to talk with you. But right now, let's sing together.